Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Entrepreneur Product Sourcing and eBiz Show, brought to you by WorldWideBrands.com. Thanks for joining us again today. I'm Colette Marshall. I'm the Worldwide Brands Business Development Manager. You know, police auctions are one of the most overlooked resources for high-quality resale items. You can purchase goods at a tiny percentage of their retail value to add variety to your standard product line or auctions. Today we're talking to Bill Keck, CEO of PoliceAuctions.com, about how eBiz owners can use these product sourcing opportunities to their greatest advantage. Bill, welcome to the show. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, thank you. <laughs> Quite a variety of different auctions are out there, and one that's often missed is police auctions. Many sellers and retailers out there don't realize the value that they can find at police auctions. How much merchandise is auctioned off each year at various auctions? Hundreds of millions of dollars. Wow. I mean, it's a big, big market segment out there. I've actually seen a few of them myself. It's quite an interesting event, quite fun, really. <laughs> yeah, it is. A little chaotic, yeah. Do police auctions represent a different bidding opportunity than other government auctions? You know, how do police auctions differ from government auctions? Well, they tend to be smaller and less publicized. So you're getting seized property from criminals and abandoned property, a lot of cars that have been forfeited through non-payment of violations and so forth. You know, for those who aren't familiar so much about police auctions, would you kind of take a step back a minute and describe a police auction and how the product actually comes about and then how the seller can actually buy out of items? Are they bulk items or can they buy single items in these auctions? Sure. You know, it all starts with some kind of criminal activity, whether it's theft or drug bust or forfeiture due to non-payment, which is very common. The police will take the property and then they'll hold on to it and catalog it over a period of time. And then periodically they hold these auctions to bring in the public and offer it to the highest bidder. So literally comes in, you know, you could have a diamond ring, for example, that would be worth many thousands of dollars. They're going to start out with a very low bid, if not at a dollar. So there's a lot of opportunities like that. There are bulk buys. You see more of those in the big federal custom seizures. Sometimes a whole shipment will come into the United States of a particular product, and they'll seize it. It's either counterfeit or they didn't do something right or non-payment of taxes, whatever the case may be. There was an example at one auction I went to where they had these sunglasses, and I didn't read the catalog correctly. And then the bidding started going crazy, and I realized it was for 150,000 sunglasses. Wow. <laughs> you know, so that would do very time. well in at least one city in Florida. <laughs> well, I think the sunglasses ended up going for 30 cents a pair. If you can buy them at that price and resell them even just for a couple of bucks, you're doing pretty good. Now, were these brand names? I don't think so because they didn't label it that way, but, you know, it's such a huge lot. Who knows what was in there? So the key is, just like any other auction, you really want to make sure you read the description, that you understand what you're bidding on. Sometimes you may luck out and there might be some brand name items in there, but you need to take a look and see what you're actually getting. You definitely um, want to inspect it before right. you bid. At many of the auctions, you have the ability to actually inspect the product themselves? Yeah, typically there's a preview period either on the same day of the auction or several days in advance depending on the size of the auction. Okay. And you definitely want to go through that. Doing research on market values is also a very good idea. You want to know what it's worth 
when you're bidding. Otherwise, you're bidding blind and you're taking chances. That is a great point. We often say on the radio show here, market research is key. Really understanding what that market value is and then using that to your advantage when you make purchases either on auctions or even buying directly from your suppliers. You want to be able to make sure you can make that profit and understanding the market value is key for that. eBay kind of makes that simple because you can just go on eBay and kind of see what they're going for, and then you can get a bidding strategy out of that. Yep, that's one way you could. There's so many ways out there nowadays. If you don't take that time and do it, you're just hurting your bottom line. That's a very important process. So now you said bulk buys are available, and it just really depends on how much of that property was seized. Now, what about return policies? Can you return this product to the government? (laughs) Oh, come on now. The return policy is you bought it, go away. (laughs) (laughs) The only time that they'll take it back is if you can prove they misrepresented it, and they take great pains not to do that. So there's very little chance that you're going to be bringing it back for a refund like other auctions, it's very important to understand the procedures of those auctions, and it sounds like these auctions are biases. The product is damaged, and you purchase it. There's probably a lot of product that's good in there, but you need to be aware of what you're buying. Yeah, I mean, they do try to make sure that they're giving an accurate description. If something's not in working condition, they will typically state that, and that does make a case. If you bought something and they didn't represent it correctly, they said it was working, and you take it home and it doesn't work then you might have a case. But keep in mind you're dealing with the government. You're going to be filling out forms and standing in line. It's not going to be any fun. So you want to factor that kind of risk into your bidding strategy. And typically people do that, and that's why the bids are lower at these places. Occasionally someone's going to run up the bid into a retail area, and you want to stay away from that. But you got to take all those policies into account before you start bidding. Now, the one that I've witnessed was actually at a police site. It was a very small one. What percentage of police auctions are available online versus in your local area? Would you recommend going to a local area one first or just go straight online? Well, you know, I mean, they both have their benefits. When you go to a police auction that's online, you're probably facing a little bit more competition because it's so accessible. You go to one in your local area that's not as well publicized, you have a better chance at really getting in there on something that a lot of people don't know about. If I was actively seeking product, I'd be doing both. I'd be all over it. That is a great point. (laughs) But also, for people who are not as familiar with the process, I usually recommend that they actually go to a local auction so they really can get familiar with the process, and that will also help them with understanding online. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they both have their advantages. It's a different flavor of experience. When you go to an auction, the auctioneer can really ramp up the temperature of the room by driving a lot of excitement into the bidding. People can get overexcited by that. More seasoned people who go to auctions can go, okay, I'll just take a deep breath, and I'm only bidding X amount of dollars, and I don't care how much the guy's jumping up and down. Online, it's more about the bidders setting the tone because you're literally only seeing the bids come in against other bidders. The trade-off is, of course, you don't get to see the merchandise in person. Now, with both of them, are there no reserve auctions or are there buy-it-now type things? You'll see buy-it-now opportunities on government auction sites, but those typically aren't government auction items. They hybrid between government and non-government items. Okay. But as far as reserves, sometimes it depends on the government agency. When you get into the bigger high-ticket items like real estate and boats, a lot of times the government will put a minimum bid on it. If you're going to buy high-end autos in a federal auction, you're probably going to have to have a $5,000 deposit with you. 
Okay. So, you know, sometimes there's minimums. Sometimes the auctioneer will try to open it up at a certain price. They don't always start at a dollar, especially in the federal auctions. They'll start at $100 or $500, depending on what the price of the item is. And then they'll just work their way down if nobody bids. So if they start the bidding at 5000 for a big ticket item and nobody bids, then they'll drop it and they'll keep dropping it until people jump in. Do they ever start out the auction with no reserve? They just started out a set amount? Is that well, what you're saying? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Most of oh, it's no okay, reserve. Okay. Sorry, I misunderstood there. Yeah, most so. of it's no reserve. Sometimes they'll try to get an opening bid. You know, whether it's a local event or an auction online, can you kind of go through that process? It's very important for our listeners to understand. Sure, maybe I could just describe each one a little bit. If you're going to an offline auction, first thing you have to do, of course, is find out where they're happening. That's something you would do through our site or through newspapers or however. And then you would attend the auction and most likely attend the preview to the auction, which means either getting there an hour or so before it actually starts or if it's a bigger auction, even the day before or the previous two days. And then you would go in and inspect the merchandise and try to zero in on the ones that you think would represent a good buying opportunity, products with known resale value. Jewelry is always a good candidate for that. Cars, of course, have a book value that you can easily determine from Kelly Blue Book and other methods. So you would go to the preview, pick out what you want to bid on, and then form a bidding strategy based on your own market knowledge and research. And then the auction is going to start at some fixed period in time, and it's going to be held by an auctioneer who's going to stand in the front of the room <laughs> screaming out the bid, <laughs> trying to get everybody excited. <laughs> Do I hear more and more money over and over again? <laughs> it's not just the gentleman up at the front. There's all the other people in the audience who are actually helping out the announcer go through those bids. So it's quite a fun process. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. You definitely get caught up in it, so you want to be careful about that. If you get into a competitive bidding situation, you got to really think back to what your bidding strategy is and try to hold that line, especially for resellers. That's absolutely critical. This is obviously a lot different from the online experience where, you're going online, and the property is being offered. You're seeing a description and a photograph, much like you would on eBay. There's typically not going to be an opening bid unless it's a big-ticket item like real estate or cars or boats. In those cases, there may be, or commercial real estate like a restaurant or something of that nature. So you'll see there's either no opening bid or a fixed opening bid, and you can do your research away from the auction just by surfing around online. So the temperature of the auction is really only set by the bidders, so you're up against other bidders and you see how many bids are coming in and what they're bidding. The one thing that's a little bit scarier on the online side is people can come in at the last minute and really ramp up the bidding. You can be following an auction for days thinking it's going to go at a certain price, but everybody decided to hold back until that final minute and they start bombarding the auction with bids and then all of a sudden it's a completely different picture. But in the same case, you decide what your set limit is. You can't go above that. Yeah, it could be a lot more convenient, too, because most of the online auctions have proxy bidding, which you can just set your high bid, and it'll bid up as necessary, and then you're set. And you can cover a lot more auctions that way because you're not going to win them all. What are some of the kinds of items that you can find that are good for resale at these police auctions? You had mentioned jewelry and cars. I'm sure there's quite a variety of products. It's pretty much going to be everything you could find in a home. Everything from personal computers to furniture, antiques, electronics, DVD players, televisions, clocks, anything that you would find in your home is potentially something that could end up at a police auction. And generally, just like any auction, the kinds of 
products that are available are going to vary. Especially depending on what their cases are like, what kind of seizures they've made over that period of time between auctions. So a lot of times these drug dealers can buy a lot of toys. <laughs> I guess that's one way to look at it. <laughs> you have a video on your site, leaseauctions.com. I believe in one of there you say, what is a uh, criminal activity ends up becoming public gain. Yeah, you. with the criminal's losses, the public's gain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, yeah. You know, there's a lot of things out there that you can definitely utilize to enhance your product lines or offer as special package bonuses. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can... Think about using police auctions and other type of auctions as well to supplement your product lines. Now, I often see a term called estimated replacement value. What does that really mean? You've seen that on our site and probably some of the others. That usually is being applied to jewelry because that's the one where values are so difficult to understand. What it is, it's an insurance value and it's not a literal market value, so you've got to make sure that you understand that. When you're going into auctions for jewelry, you want to be knowledgeable of jewelry. You want to know approximately what a one-carat diamond at a certain grade of stone would go for out in the market because you can't really rely on the estimated replacement values. Those are insurance values. And if you know the market, you can get some idea how to bid off of those but it's a little convoluted. It's not a real market value. It's an insurance value, which is a multiple of what it's wholesale. It's just a very complicated market segment because you've got wholesale, retail, and insurance and appraisal values, and they're all different. So the ERV, the estimated replacement value, it just gives you some idea of what insurance value to put on it. And if you're good at the jewelry market, you can extract maybe a, a wholesale number out of that. The government, usually on the federal auctions, will appraise its jewelry, but they don't share any of its findings with anybody. So the auctioneers know what it's worth, but they don't pass that information on to the public. So you know, and the I could key be, is I could... to educate yourself. You're going to go to these auctions and make sure you know what the market value is and definitely go to those preview sections. Absolutely. It's easy enough to do the research because if you're on an online auction, you can surf around before you even place a bid. You can go to eBay, you can go to other comparison sites and see what you think you might be able to get that same item for. If you can go to eBay and get an item for $1,000 and you're on another site and it's $5,000 for the same item, there's no reason not to buy it from eBay, government auction or not. We've heard consistently since we've been doing this, which is going on six years now, testimonials from people who have made a lot of money doing this. It's like anything. It's how much you're going to get from it. It's how much you're willing to put into it. And you just have to be careful. But people have made a lot of money from buying and reselling at these auctions. One guy told us he spent $600 on a car, drove it for two years, and sold it for 1200 Another guy bought a houseboat for $100,000 under its value just by being a tough negotiator with the government because they weren't getting a lot of bids on that. There's been other examples of people buying things in bulk and just knocking the ball out of the park. There's definitely a lot of opportunities there. You just have to be careful with it. Now, how often do these police auctions take place? Depending on where you are. Obviously, if you live out in a very rural area, you might not see as many. Now, I would assume that the larger cities are the ones that are going to have them more often, like maybe once a month or so. Yeah. Some of them have them once a week. Wow, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the really busy ones have them once a week. But yeah, you know, it's going to follow the demographics of the population. The more 
population there is in an area, unfortunately, the more crime <laughs> and the more that these auctions are fed, so they need to dispose of their property. And now, along with your site, what are some other ways to find these police and government auctions? I'm assuming newspaper? Yeah, I think most of them are mandated through their local city governments that they have to announce through a newspaper or some other means, but that's typically how the word gets out. They're very bad at maintaining websites. You have a lot of inconsistency out there. Some police departments have it completely dialed in, and you can go right to their website, and it's very easy to deal with. Others, you would have no idea that there's anything even there. They're only going to advertise so far in their surrounding area. Would local police stations actually post when the auctions are going to be at their local facilities? Or would it be better to focus your attention on a site like yours and newspapers? Yeah, I definitely wouldn't be driving to the police department to look for it. <laughs> you can look on your local police department website, which is typically listed on the city government uh, website. And like I said, typically there's a very small percentage of those that actually will give you the information that you need. The second tier is that they advertise in the newspapers around them, but again, they don't have big budgets for this stuff. They don't have dedicated PR people, dedicated webmasters. It's really a background thing for the police. Do you have to pay to attend these police auctions? No, no. It's, typically, it's open to the public. The only restrictions that you'll occasionally find is on vehicle auctions where they only want to sell to the dealers. And that's going to vary by state. And please don't ask me for examples because I can't remember them. <laughs> but there are some states that were mandated by law that in government seizures, they will only sell their vehicles to dealers. And it's actually probably more of a consumer protection thing because the vehicles, when you're buying from government auction, they're not going through the kind of checks and maintenance that they would through a dealer. When a dealer sells you a car, he's responsible for what he sold you. In government auction, they check out the vehicles and they represent them correctly, but once you've got the vehicle, there's no warranty. If you know about cars and you have a lot of experience, then sure, that's probably a very good place to get something below market. Now, another term that I've heard is proxy bidding. What exactly is it? Well, that's something that you're going to find on websites. Let's say you're watching a bid online and the current bid is $100, and you're willing to bid on this item maybe $700 in total. So you put in a bid of 700 but the software is only going to update your bid to $101 or up as necessary for you to capture the high bid. It automatically bids up for you so you don't have to sit there and constantly watch the auction and keep upping your bid. So that's what you define as proxy bidding? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I see. I understand now. I thought proxy bidding was something else, so I'm glad you clarified yeah, that. Yeah, it's called proxy bidding or automatic bidding. Now, as a reseller, do you need to be licensed to attend these auctions? Do you have to supply your reseller information no. at these auctions? No, but if you're going to actually sell it, depending on the state that you're in, you've got to be able to collect sales tax, and in order to be able to do that, you're going to have to have a resale license. If you're just doing a one-off, probably not, but if you're doing it as a business, you would definitely want to make sure you're complying with the laws. That's a great point, and as we say, with any kind of product sourcing method you have, you must make sure to have your sales tax ID and make sure you are a legit business. Well, Bill, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time today to come and talk with us about police auctions. You can learn more at policeauctions.com. I'm Colette Marshall. Today's Entrepreneur Product Sourcing and eBiz show has been brought to you by WorldwideBrands.com and Entrepreneur.com. Join us again next week for more free eBiz education 
with the Internet's leading product sourcing experts.